Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our interior lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Each season, we'll read through a great work, explain its spiritual principles, and help you apply its timeless wisdom to your life. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Confessions by St. Augustine. A few reminders before we get started. To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. This is Day 60. Today we will be reading Book 13, Chapters 31-38 through 38 in the Ascension edition of the book. If you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast Godsplaining. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with occasional guests, scriptural meditations, and special series. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we are covering today. So, last episode, St. Augustine concludes his confessions by reflecting on the height of creation and that to which it is oriented, the direction that it's going. The height of creation us, men and women, who are good, not because we have created our own goodness, but because God has created us in his goodness, um, are ultimately made to rest in God. So we'll meditate with St. Augustine on what it means to be directed, oriented, and resting in God. Well, let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 31 But they who by your Spirit see these things, you see in them. Therefore, when they see that these things are good, you see that they are good, and whatever things are pleasing for your sake, you yourself are pleasing in them. And whatever through your Spirit pleases us, pleases you in us. For what person knows a man's thoughts except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we, he says, have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And I am admonished that I should say, truly, none but the Spirit of God knows the things of God. But how then do we also know what things are bestowed upon us by God? And the answer is given to me. Likewise, the things that we know by his Spirit, even these things are known by none except for the Spirit of God. For as it is rightly said to those that were to speak by the Spirit of God, it is not you who speak. So too it is rightly said to those who know through the Spirit of God, it is not you who know. Therefore, no less rightly is it said to those who see through the Spirit of God, it is not you who see, so that whatever through the Spirit of God they see to be good, it is not they, but rather God who sees that it is good. Therefore, it is one thing for a man to think that what is good is evil, as the previously mentioned men do. It is another thing for a man to think that what is good is good, as when your creatures, because they are good, are pleasing to many men who, however, do not take pleasure in you when they prefer to enjoy your creatures rather than you. 
And it is yet another matter that when a man sees that a thing is good, God in him sees that it is good, namely, so that he might be loved in that which he made, he who can only be loved through the Holy Ghost whom he has given to us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And by the Spirit, we see that whatever exists, to whatever degree it has being, is good. For it is from him who does not have being at any particular degree, but rather is what he is. Chapter 32. Thanks be to you, O Lord. We behold heaven and earth, whether its bodily part with its superior and inferior portions, or spiritual and bodily creation. And in the adorning of these parts, which make up either the whole mass of the world or the whole of all creation, we see light made and divided from the darkness. We see the firmament of heaven, whether the first body in the world between the spiritual upper waters and the inferior bodily waters, or since this too is called heaven, the air through which the birds of heaven fly, between the waters that are borne aloft above them, and on tranquil nights drop down in dew, and those heavier waters that flow upon the earth. We behold the beautiful face of waters gathered together in the expanses of the sea and the dry land, both that which is empty and that which is formed, so as to be visible and put in order the matter of plants and trees. We behold the lights shining above, the sun to suffice for the day, the moon and the stars to bring comfort in the night, all of them enabling us to mark out and signify the seasons. All around we see damp nature, fertile with fish, beasts, and birds, for the heaviness of the air which bears birds up in their flight becomes heavier by the exultation of the waters. We behold the face of your earth adorned with heavenly creatures and man created after your image and likeness, and by this very image and likeness, that is, the power of reason and intelligence, set over all non-rational living creatures. And as there is one power in his soul that exercises dominion by directing and another made subject so that it might obey, so too in the bodily order woman was made for man. She who, in her rational and intelligent mind, is of an equal nature with him, though in her bodily sex would be subject to the male sex of her husband, as the desire for action gladly conceives the skill of good conduct from the mind's own reasoning. All these things we behold, and they are each good, and taken all together, they are very good. Chapter 33 Your works praise you so that we might love you, and we love you so your works might praise you. In time they have beginning and ending, rising and setting, growth and decay, and form and privation. Therefore they have their succession of morning and evening, partly hidden, partly open. For they were made from nothing by you, not out of you, not out of anything that was not yours or that existed before their fashioning, but rather were created out of matter that was concreated, that is, simultaneously created by you. For you gave form to its formless state without any interval of time. For since the matter of heaven and earth is one thing, and their form is another, you made the matter holy out of nothing, but you made the form of the world out of the formless matter, but you made both together so that the form should follow upon the matter without any interval of delay. Chapter 34. We have also examined what you wish to be a kind of typological meaning, whether in the creation of things in a given order or in the narration of things in such an order. And we have seen that things are each good and altogether very good, in your word and your only begotten, both heaven and earth, the head and the body of the church, and your predestination before all ages of time without morning and evening. 
But you then began to execute in time those things that you predetermined, so that you might reveal hidden things and rectify our disorders. For our sins were over us, and we had sunk into the dark depths, and your good spirit moved over us to bring us help in due season. You justified the ungodly, dividing them from the wicked, and you fashioned the firmament of your book's authority between those placed above, who were to be docile to you, and those under them, who were to be subject to them. And you gathered together the society of unbelievers into one hostile group, so that the zeal of the faithful might be made manifest, and so that they might bring forth works of mercy, even distributing their earthly riches to the poor so as to obtain heavenly riches. After this, you kindled in the firmament certain lights, your holy ones, who have the word of life and shine forth with the lofty authority of their spiritual gifts. After that, so that the unbelieving peoples might be soaked by your instruction, you fashioned from bodily matter the sacraments, visible miracles, and voices and words in accord with the firmament of your book, and which the faithful should also be blessed and multiplied. Next, you formed the living soul of the faithful, through affections well-ordered by the vigorous strength of continence, and after that you renewed after your image and likeness the mind now subjected solely to you, and needing to imitate no human authority. And you subjected all its rational actions to the surpassing excellence of the intellect, as the woman is subject to the man. And for all the exercises of your ministry, which are necessary for the perfecting of the faithful in this life, you willed that those same faithful should bring forth for their temporal uses works fruitful for them in the life to come. We see all these things, and they are very good because you see them in us, you who have given us your spirit, by whom we might see them, and in them love you. Chapter 35. O Lord God, give us peace, for you have given us all things. Give us the peace of rest, the peace of the Sabbath, the peace that does not know the shadows of twilight. For when the course of this entire, utterly beautiful array of things has measured out its time, they will all pass away. For in them there was made both morning and evening. Chapter 36. But the seventh day has no evening, nor will the light of its day come to an end, for you have sanctified it to last eternally. Thus, as we read that you rested upon the seventh day, having fashioned all your works, which are very good, although you fashioned them while you yourself remained in unbroken rest, we hear there in the voice of your book the foretelling of the fact that we also, after this time of our works, which are very good because you have given them to us, shall rest in you in the Sabbath of eternal life. Chapter 37. Then too you shall rest in us, as now you work in us, and so you shall rest through us, just as your works are through us. But you, Lord, forever are at work and forever are at rest. You do not see in time, nor move in time, nor rest in time. Yet you make both the seeing of things in time, indeed even the seeing of times themselves, and the rest that comes after time. Chapter 38. Therefore, it is because they have being that we see these things that you have made, but they have being because you see them. We see outside of ourselves that they are, and we see within ourselves that they are good. But there where you saw them as being still to be made, you looked upon them as that which you made them to be. And it was at a later time that we were moved to do good, after our heart had conceived of your spirit, whereas prior to this we had been moved to do evil, forsaking you. But you, the one good God, have never ceased doing good. We too have done some good works from your gift, but they are not eternal. 
After them, we hope to find rest and your great sanctification. But you who are the good that needs no good are forever at rest, because your rest is you yourself. What man can teach another man to understand this? Or what angel teach another angel? Or what angel teach a man? Let it be asked of you. Let it be sought in you. Let it be knocked for at your door. And thus shall it be received, thus found, and thus shall the door be opened for us. Wow. Here we are. (laughs) Yesterday was penultimate, so today is is it. (laughs) That's exactly how we contract that word. Yeah, how we get rid of that prefix, that pesky prefix, and just go straight suffix. It's it. Yeah. Can you believe it? Here we are. (laughs) At the beginning of the book, of some of the books I've inquired, you know, if you were pumped, if you were ready to get started, but like last day, where are you? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Yeah, that's that's a great, that's great. Um, I once had an exchange, I was learning German, and one of the exercises was to say as many possible synonyms of the word awesome. And I once spent, you know, like a good minute and a half just going back and forth as I learned more and more, because uh, I exhausted my storehouse of like mega, prima, toll, wunderschön, after like five seconds. But then this other person, they just kept going with like ausgezeichnet. Um, so I would say like I'm like that just an ever-flowing stream of German words, which basically mean excellent, and then just like make that minute and a half, just just put it in one word, and that's how I feel right now. Awesome. Great. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, it is, well, it's been great to walk through the confessions, but it's also great to have walked through them, you know, to, to have this time. So we're good. All right. So let's look at what St. Augustine leaves us with then. So he begins, or we begin today, where we pick up with this, this, obviously it's a continuation of what we had yesterday, but he does so by returning to the topic of God's goodness and our goodness and the goodness of creation. And this might be something that's, or the importance of this might be I don't know, a little less significant to us if we're familiar with the creation accounts in Genesis, if we have heard the fact that, you know, God saw everything, it was good, whatever it might be, you know, however we might remember and recall or read in the scriptures. But for St. Augustine, remember, we we left yesterday with his sort of, his final rebuttal against the Manichees. And for a long time in his life, there was a real question as to whether or not the created world, the physical world was indeed good which has implications, not just looking at like the rocks or a squirrel or something and wondering, is that good or is that something that's evil? But with respect to himself, you know, am I good? Is my body good? Is is me being an embodied human being a good thing? And as he's come along and as he's been converted and read the scriptures, realizes that herein lies the truth, that it's good. So he he talks about this at length, and the significance of that ought not be lost on us as, as we've kind of journeyed with Augustine. So Father Gregory, I guess this would be your last opportunity, at least in this context, to talk about goodness, the goodness of the created world, the goodness of God, all of that, none of that. But it's up to you. <laughs> what do you want? What do you think? What are you, what are you kind of garnering from St. Augustine here? Yeah, I think that St. Augustine addresses a couple of our most basic fears, that we are accidental, that we're by mistake, that we were not foreseen, that we were not chosen. And he says, no, I mean, insofar as it is, it's good, which is to say, insofar as it is, it's desirable, it's perfect, it's a kind of goal. And that is supremely consoling, even if we come from 
you know, like humble, modest origins, or even if the material conditions of our conception and birth seem accidental or a mistake, yet we know that we are created by God, and as a result of which, that we have a purpose in life, and that God, who has created us at the outset, continues to create us, sustain us throughout the course of our lives, so that we might ultimately, you know, discover him throughout that pilgrimage and certainly at its destination. So you, you see St. Augustine is healing and growing beyond the limitations of his Manichaean conception, which might look at the material world and think accident, mistake, or think like ugly, dirty, uh, not, not only fallen, but utterly unredeemable. And we can, you know, kind of clap back with St. Augustine and say, no, you know, we've, we've been healed and grown beyond the limits of that former conception, and now we can abide in the truth which God reveals and mediates. And not only, or in addition to, you know, ugly, dirty, utterly unredeemable, also, you know, there in that sort of conception, if you were hold, to hold to it, the, the question of whether or not he's lovable, whether or not he could be loved. If you remember, we talked about this in our earlier books, um, that St. Augustine, his, his wanderings, his searchings often were, were motivated by a desire to be loved, to find love to find happiness. And, and here, yeah, as, as you said, not only is he being healed of his sins and his his brokenness, but he's also being healed uh, of these, uh, I was not going to say delusions, because we all suffer from them, but misunderstanding of, of who he is, of how he's been created and, and for what he's been created. And it's not just a sort of reading of Genesis that's done this for him, but if we think about his, his life up to this point, as we read through the confessions, it's also been at the influence of other people in his life, St. Monica, St. Ambrose, his son, his friends, you know, all of these people have, have impacted him and led him, you know, to where he is today. And yeah, there's sort of a beauty in the kind of resolution, I, I might be getting ahead of what, you know, what I want to say yet, but in this sort of, this this rest that's even offered from the sort of worry of, not that he'll never worry, I don't think again, or we might never worry, like, am I lovable? Can I be loved? Do I fit into this? Am I good? But in, in coming to recognize this and coming to hear it again and again, as St. Augustine has reiterated, there's a reassurance that yes, indeed, creation is good. Indeed, we're good. And indeed, God loves us. And that's it. That's what we see in his journey, that despite what he did, how he ran from God, however circuitous his, his journey and his route was, God was constant, unchanging. You know, God was waiting and calling and working and beckoning. So, yeah, in this, St. Augustine, in these chapters, he reflects on sort of the entirety of this. And in my mind, the entirety of creation, the entirety of his, of his life within creation up to this point rejoices, give thanks. And in my mind, I sort of see, I don't know if it was like a Hollywood thing. You've had his life at work, but kind of a montage of all of this kind of coming together. I'm not a huge Terrence Malick fan. I know a lot of people really like Terrence Malick, but I think Terrence Malick could probably do a pretty cool kind of montage of, of his life kind of sweeping by in his mind and seeing all of this at work. Yeah, the the Lord, the Spirit drawing Augustine to to God. And yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, here he is. And I don't know, that's kind of what I'm where I am in in reading St. Augustine's final reflections. I don't know if you're elsewhere, but that's where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would say just with the addendum that there's still 30, 35 years to live, uh, which is a wild thought. And I think sometimes that too can pose a a certain obstacle to our own spiritual growth is that we foreclose on the meaning of future days. Like we say of a certain fault or we say of a certain sin, this is unredeemable or this is, you know, like we're not going to bounce back from this effectively. Uh, but you look at St. Augustine, and not only does he testify to the fact that God has healed and grown him, but he's testified to the fact that he's got some purchase on what God has been doing in his life, but it's still an open narrative. It's something that God will continue to shape and can continue to like reinterpret. 
And so I think that we approach our own lives with a similar vulnerability, uh, with a similar openness that permits God to be sovereign in our lives, to continue to tell the story that he intends for us. Not only because it's like, your story is better and mine is worse, and I just need to get over my story, but in the sense that there's so much adventure that lies in store, if we can but consent to it, abandon ourselves to it, which is uh, you know, a terrible prospect, but a real good, provided we can see it as such. So here we are at the end, and also Augustine arrives at the end of his interpretations of his of his readings, of his meditations on the book of Genesis, chapter 1, the creation accounts, which concludes, as we probably know, in the seventh day and the day of rest, which brings us back to the beginning. As Father Gregory and I have talked about already on this episode, um, you know, finding ourselves in the Lord, coming to him, ultimately for Augustine, this journey, though not over, as Father Gregory rightly notes, the journey of his life, but the journey of the confessions is, it returns, he returns to the beginning, to where he started, this search for rest. Not to be done, but to be content in the Lord and to continue to strive for greater holiness, for greater conversion, but doing so in God alone, recognizing that God himself is on offer and that God himself is our is our end. And if we take a moment to ponder this, as I'm sure Augustine did many times, that's an astounding reality. If you think about the ways we've thought about God with St. Augustine, however complicated you know his, his meditations, his theology, his sort of wanderings have been for us, the one thing that we, it shouldn't be lost on us and probably isn't, is how big God is and how other God is. And yet the creator of the cosmos, the unchanging, all-knowing, all-powerful God desires us, desires us to rest in him. And as St. Augustine comes to this realization and at least makes it makes it present in his confession, so too does he make it present for us. And if there, I think if there's, I don't know, if there's one thing that we should take away from the confessions from this long journey with St. Augustine, it's just that, for me at least, that we're made to be with God, to be with him, to be healed, elevated, transformed by his grace, and to share in his life. It's astounding, but it's it's no less real in, in its awesomeness. So thanks, St. Augustine. That's, that's where I'm leaving it, what I'm taking. I don't know, final thoughts, Father Gregory, as we turn the last page. Yeah, I, I think this gives us a way to appreciate our restlessness. So at first it seemed an affliction, but now as we have arrived at the end, it turned out to have been a mercy. There's this poem by a 16th, 17th century Christian poet named uh, George Herbert, who I think was like a, an Anglican divine. And he speaks about rest in this way. He says, he, he describes how God creates us and that he's bestowing on us all these different gifts, but at the end he sees rest as the last of his gifts that he can impart, but he doesn't give it. And the poem concludes, but let him keep the rest, but keep them with repining restlessness. Let him be rich and weary that at least if goodness lead him not, yet weariness may toss him to my breast. And so I think you see that strange mercy at work in the life of St. Augustine, and we can appreciate how that strange mercy is at work in our own lives too. So it is, it's better that we experience restlessness than that we content ourselves with something less than God himself. And so here we are. Well, I think we're going to finish with that. I hope that it's been a good, uh, I was going to say a couple weeks, but several weeks journey uh, with us through the confessions. Um, I hope that St. Augustine has been a good guide, perhaps a good spiritual intercessor now for you if he hasn't been already. I would say one other thing about the confessions and any spiritual classic is that it's it's good for us to take time to let it seep in, but also to return um, to the classic itself or 
to be inspired to pick up something else, to continue to grow in our knowledge and love of God, to continue to cooperate with the grace and the gifts that he offers us, and to continue by his grace to be moved by him and to him, so that we, God willing, with Augustine, might rejoice with him forever in heaven. Thanks so much for tuning in this season. It's been a blast. I can speak for Father Gregory too, I'm sure. It's been a blast for him. Um, It's been a joy for us to pray with you, to study with you, and we look forward to the next time. So know of our prayers for you, and please pray for us. And thanks for joining us on this season of Catholic Classics.